morning. It's good to see you all. Hey, look, a lot of what I've got to say this morning, can I just say, has sort of been sprinkled in a little bit this morning. And maybe that's because the Holy Spirit's doing a bit of something, sprinkled it into prayer this morning, sprinkled it into worship and into what Chelsea had to say. Or maybe it's just because what I've got here is just incredible news and people get it. You know what I mean? Like we're already talking about it because it's just such good news and like why not talk about it? Um, I am here to preach because I've got good stuff to say. Am I allowed to be this confident? I allow it. Thank you for permissing me. Yeah, I've got really, really good stuff to say. And a lot of it is sort of related back to what Megan was talking about last week, which makes sense because she sort of started talking about the book of 1 John and I'm finishing talking about the book of 1 John. So it makes sense that it's sort of connected and linked a little bit. But just to recap, if you weren't here, if uh, your Spotify or SoundCloud wasn't working, I know you tried to get the preach online, I know, and it just it might have stuffed up. Maybe that's why you didn't get to hear it. But here's a recap of what Megan had to say. Megan is defensive. That's what she had to say. And stubborn. I think Megan is stubborn. That's the recap. Um, it was really, really good. If you heard it, if you were here, if you just listened online, it was a good message, wasn't it? What Megan had to say. So thank you, Megan, for bringing that. Um, she told us that First John reminds us to keep Jesus' commandment to his disciples, being to love one another, right? Megan talked about how hard this can be sometimes, even towards fellow believers, even to other people who call themselves Christians, sorry, call themselves Christians, who say they love Jesus. Sometimes it's still hard to show those people love. Can I ask how we went this week? Did anyone in here love for 30 seconds at a time? Did anyone give that a go? Maybe. Did anyone mess up a little bit this week? Me? Um, but it's okay because I know that when we fail at this and when we mess up, we're covered by God's grace, right? And we can get up and we can try again this week to love a little bit better, to love a bit more like Jesus did. So that's good news. Okay, today we are diving into the second half of First John chapters 3 to 5. If you want to pull it up on your device, go for it. If you've got a paper Bible, whip it out. Go for it. You can follow along. I've got a heap of verses that are going to be up here on the screens as well. So apologies to the people on the on the desk at the back because I'm going to make you work. Uh, but look, I'm, I'm back at uni this year. I don't know. I'm still working, but I'm back at uni and I'm in assignment writing mode. So I'm just like citing my references. So I got really excited and I was like, I'm going to show you all of my sources today. Here's where I got this info. Come along with me for the ride. All right. There are three parts to this message that I've decided I want to look into. John didn't say here are three parts. First John doesn't say that, but I've broken it into three parts. That's how I'm going to kind of run through this this morning. The first part is sort of like a foundational idea. We need to know this before we can know the other stuff maybe, before we can get it. The second part I think is kind of his main point that he's trying to drive and he wants the reader to understand the most. And then the third part is kind of like a therefore, sort of, you know, if you understand the main point, then you know, it should lead to this. I'm hoping that this is making sense so far. This is how I'm running through it this morning. Okay, 
Well, let's dive into part one. I've got our first uh, verse up here from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Right at the beginning. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognise that we are God's children because they don't know Him. Part one is you are a child of God. Good one. I told you, good news. See how very much our Father loves us. How much? He loves us infinitely, eternally, unconditionally. There is no sin that you can commit that is stronger than God's love for you. See how very much our Father loves us. I'm going to read from Romans 8 as well. This isn't, I know this isn't what I was supposed to focus on, but I have to. Verse 38, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. See how very much our Father loves us. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can we do this now? Can we see how very much our Father loves us? Seriously, do it. See it right now. Take a moment. How good. In that first verse that I I, uh, read out in the beginning, chapter 3, verse 1, John is speaking to those of us who know God. So the the people that he's writing to are people that know God, that know what Jesus has done for them. That's who he's addressing here. People who have accepted Jesus' gift of salvation and people who are seeking out a relationship with him. And I think that applies to a lot of us in the room right now. There are, of course, as mentioned, the people of the world that he talks about who have maybe heard the good news of Jesus and have rejected it or haven't heard the good news of Jesus. Does God still love these people? Absolutely. (laughs) Of course, did Jesus endure death on a cross out of great love for these people that don't know him yet? Absolutely, he did. But in this text, look, John is just addressing the people that maybe call themselves Christians, that belong to a church at the time. That's his intended audience. You might be here with us today and haven't yet accepted this good news for yourself. You may not call yourself a Christian, but you are still, of course, welcome here. And you are still, of course, deeply loved by our Father. I just want to make sure that you know that. My hope for you is just like for the rest of us that you see how very much your Father loves you. I want every person in this room to understand that. I want every person out there to understand how very much their Father loves them. Okay, if we read on, John talks about living righteously. Are we doing what is right? I'm going to read um, from chapter 3, verse 9. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on singing, uh, sorry, singing. (laughs) They can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. Now, we kind of have to be careful when we read this chapter because it can read like a list of rules and a list of standards that we need to be meeting in order to be called children of God. But this isn't what John is saying. John is concerned with 
Christian conduct and was likely addressing like a particular issue um, to the, of the group of people to whom he was writing. And he mentions sin frequently. Sin in the Bible means to miss the mark, right? To fall short, to miss the mark. You're aiming for one thing, you miss. And um, if we think about what our aim is, He's already told us if what we're aiming to do is keep Jesus' commandment to love one another, then when he's talking about sin, it's when we're missing the mark and we are not loving one another. So John in these chapters actually writes from both perspectives. If we are children of God, then we will love others, right? If we love others, it shows that we have accepted the good news and we are living as, as children of God. It's not sequential. It's not one and then the other. It's both at the same time. It's concurrent, right? Our relationship with God and our love for others are coexistent. They happen at the same time. Chapter three, fourteen. We're still in part one. You are a child of God. We're still here. Chapter 3, verse 14, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. That, that's some very strong words there, death to life. What does this mean? Jesus offers us full, eternal, abundant life, right, through him. Now, we're not talking about an afterlife in this verse. We're not talking about what happens after you die. We're not even talking about, you know, leaving earth, going to heaven. We're talking about God's kingdom here on earth now, right? Life here on earth now. We're talking about the new life that Jesus gives us. We know Jesus resurrects, redeems, restores. And what John is saying here is that the outpouring of that gift being accepted is love, loving one another, loving our brothers and sisters who are and are not in Christ. And John is arguing that if we're not willing to show love for others, the kind of love that Jesus showed us, then we are not living this new life that Jesus has brought us. We are living in death. As I said, this statement, you are a child of God, is almost like a foundation for our next part. Are we ready to move into the next part? Do we all get that we are a child of God? Great. Thank you very much. Okay, part two. Chapter four, starting at verse seven. Dear friends, I love when he starts with dear friends. It's my favourite. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. Part two, God is love. Can you say that to someone? God is love. Oh, you sound so excited about it. Wow. God is love. Were we not created in God's image? When God created humans, didn't he create them to be a representation of himself? What does this tell us? If God is love and we are created as a representation of who God is, what does that say about us? We've been created in the image of love, right? Verse 11 says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. 
No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Quite simply, if we love each other, the world sees God, right? The world sees what God looks like. This is so powerful. If we love each other, the world sees God. Now, I want to take us back to the beginning of chapter 3, the first verse that we read, because I don't want to act like I've just given you the secret to saving the world. Like, all you have to do is love one another, everything's fine, boom, done. Because the world has seen Jesus, right? Jesus took on human form, came, did nothing but love the people around him, showed the world exactly what the true kingdom of God looks like showed the world how much he loved the sick and the poor and the criminal and the isolated and the marginalised. Jesus did this already and showed what perfect love looked like. And how did they react? I mean, a huge amount of people came into relationship with God and a huge amount of people came to understand what God's kingdom is about. Is that, you know, not why we're here today, right? Because we've seen the loving nature of our God. But... (laughs) How did he end up on that cross? The first verse that I read today, but the people who belong to this world don't recognise that we are God's children because they don't know him. The people of the world didn't recognise Jesus. They couldn't believe that he was who he said he was. They rejected him. They mocked him and insulted him and they punished him. So over here, John is saying, if we love each other, the world will see God, which I believe is true. But over here, he's saying, but the people of the world don't recognize God. Nath actually sent me a preach last week by a guy called Shane Willard. I hadn't heard him preach before, but it was really good to listen to if you want to. It's called A People of Love, Shane Willard. And he described love like this. Love is a function by which we treat people as they are worth and never as they deserve. I'm just going to say that again. Love is a function by which we treat people as they are worth and never as they deserve. And here's what John says about real love. Chapter 3, verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Real love, according to John, is knowing you have the ability to meet someone's need and doing it. (laughs) Our need as humanity was that we were lost We were broken, we were sinners, we were in the need of redemption and Jesus demonstrated real love by meeting that need on a cross, didn't he? Let me ask, if you have a friend who tells you, I feel lost, I feel broken, does real love require you to die on a cross for them? I'm I'm sure you know that the answer is no. (laughs) 
That's not what real love requires. But John is specifically saying that we are to show compassion to one another and meet the needs that we are able to meet in our own power. He said, again, and this is the verse I just read, if someone has enough money to live well, that's their own power, that's what they have in their hand, and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? That friend of yours that's feeling lost and broken, real love requires you to introduce that friend to Jesus, right? Because Jesus has already met that need. Jesus has already shown us that love for absolutely everybody. And us showing that real love requires us to introduce that person to Jesus, right? I'm hoping that I'm making sense. Great. to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters, meaning it should be our life's purpose, our mission to show real love to one another. Okay, I've got another one. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, that hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. We love each other because he loved us first, right? We love each other because we have been created in the image of love. We love each other because when we receive the incredible gift of love and grace that was given freely to us, we can't help it. We love one another. It becomes our mission to love others. And the people of this world may not recognise God's love for them. And this might be someone in the room today. They might not know the truth about themselves. You might not know that your creator loves you or that your sin and your shame have been dealt with on the cross already. People in this world may not know that they are deeply loved by God and it is our mission as God's children to meet these needs. We are called to show real love to one another. Are you with me so far? (laughs) Great. This leads us into part three, the big finale. That was a joke, sorry. (laughs) We know so far that one, you're a child of God. We know that two, God is love. Here's part three, chapter four, verse four. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. We've already sung about this, Jesus over everything. God has no rival. We've already sung these words. Part three is that God is victorious. Jesus is victorious. We have nothing to fear because of Jesus' victory. And in this verse from um, 1 John, he's actually referring to like false prophets. He even uses the term antichrists, if you're reading the New Living Translation. That's a strong word, antichrists. But he's talking about the lies that are in the world, right? 
and that God is victorious over those lies. Lies like, you are not enough. Well, I'm a child of the king, so I would disagree. Lies like, you are too broken, you're damaged. Well, my God is a healer and a restorer, right? Lies like, you have made too many mistakes and what you have done is unforgivable. Well, I have no debt to pay because my sin is covered by God's grace. It has been dealt with. I have new life in Jesus. Amen. Give me a huge, giant lie. Give me horrible news about my life or my circumstances so I can show you how much greater my God is. Because the spirit who lives in me is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. My Jesus has overcome the world. God is good. Okay, here's my last reference. (laughs) Chapter 5, starting at verse 4. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We have a victory to claim over our world, to claim over our neighbourhood. I am tired of people hearing lies about themselves, who the world says that they are. I want people to know who God says they are. I want people to know that they are worth death on a cross. I want people to see how very much their father loves them. And Megan said it last week, this radical, fearless, unreasonable love can change the world. Being God's image in the world, being love to one another, pointing them to the truth about themselves. I'm actually going to invite the band back up again. Because we're just going to sing in a moment. We're going to sing like a victory song, this good grace song. The words in this song, again, Chelsea read them out before. Just see how, um, sorry, God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, be strong, right? This reminds me of when Jesus said, take heart for I have overcome the world. But I actually want to give an opportunity this morning to anyone who feels uh, like they need to take this up, for anyone who feels like maybe God has speaking, been speaking directly to them. If you haven't called yourself a child of God before, I want to pray with you this morning. There's actually plenty of people here that want to pray with you. <laughs> Um, But I want to pray with you. I'm one of them. And there will be an opportunity while we sing. I'm just going to stand like there. I'm just going to be there worshipping. And I ask that if you want to accept this gift from Jesus, I want to pray with you. Come and stand with me. There may be someone else in the room as well that you feel more comfortable going to for prayer. Please do. Take that opportunity. Maybe it's just been a while since you've called yourself a child of God. Again, I want to pray with you. There are others in the room too that want to pray with you. I'm just going to pray right now with us all. And then the rest of the morning's in your hands, Nath, right? God, we just recognise how good you are. 
how loving and gracious you are. I thank you that your real love shows us our worth and it doesn't treat us how we deserve to be treated. Your unreasonable love, your radical love, your fearless love for us, your incredible grace for us, God. We may not deserve it, but we want to say thank you and accept that gift that you have for us again today. God, as we sing, we we remember your victory and we declare your victory over this neighbourhood, over this world. We ask that your kingdom comes, God, and that you use us, you help us, Holy Spirit, to love each other the way that you love us. And that feels impossible because your love is just so great and so mighty. But Holy Spirit, we ask that you help us. And we thank you, God, that your grace covers us when we fail. Again, we want your kingdom to come, God. We want everyone to know how loved they are, to know their worth. So God, again, I ask that you do what you need to do during this time. Holy Spirit, move how you need to move and speak to us during this time as we just lift up who God is. All right, I'm going to invite you all to stand again as we sing this celebration, this victory song about God's victory over the world. And I'm over there. If you want to come, if you want prayer, For absolutely anything, I invite you to come and find me.